Welcome back to Mind Over Movies. I'm Isaac. And I'm Casey. Today, uh, we're going to do something a lot different from last week. We're actually um, going to discuss film. <laughs> we uh, thought about it a lot. We had a post-mortem talk about yeah. the last episode. And we thought, you know what? I think next week we should switch it up a bit. And we should talk we about it. We should get a lot more pretentious yeah. this week. This, you know, the, the word movie is banned. It's uh, film talk, it's baby. It's film. We're actually changing the name of the podcast. Scratch what you heard. Mind over film. Mind over film. <laughs> it's not as catchy. It's but not it's, as catchy. It's a bit more highbrow. <laughs> anyway, uh, did you watch some films this week, Casey? I mean, Well, let me tell you. If you follow me on Twitter, you know that I binged uh, both seasons of Barry in oh 24 my hours. God. So we want to talk about Barry real quick and how it's just probably the best television since Breaking Bad that I've watched. I, I think it's the best show on HBO at the very least. Barry is so good. What what did you uh, what did you most enjoy about Barry, man? So Barry is like so there's <laughs> what I think is so great about the show is that it is like unflinchingly violent yes. and dark, but at the same time so freaking hilarious. Like it's like the very definition of a dark comedy. Um I will say, there are some points, though. Season 2 didn't do this as much as Season 1 did, in my opinion. But Season 1, you know, there's some stuff that happens that is so, like, dark. You're like, dude, how can how can we laugh at this show again? Like, it goes if it, once it goes there, you're like, why did you just go there? Because now how's the show going to be funny? But, dude, it finds a way. And uh, it kind of, like, it worries me for a little bit. When I was first watching season one, I was like, oh, you know, why did that happen? You know, now yeah. it's not, but seems mean spirited. Seems mean spirited. Yeah. yeah. But th- then you, the next episode, it's just the funniest crap I've ever like watched. Like, I don't know. It's just super well written. Yeah. I think that just speaks to like Bill Hader. <clears throat> like I've been watching him on Saturday Night Live for yeah. years. I like definitely knew he was funny, but I had no idea that he had like these dramatic chops and he's like bringing them both to the show. And I don't know if he specifically writes the character of noho hank but that is the best character in like all of tv i love noho hank he is he never fails to make me laugh right. so hard oh like, my god it's such a skillful balance of like drama and comedy like everyone brings it even henry winkler yes like, he doesn't phone it in like no. at all he's probably one of my favorite characters in the show like he's like number two Obviously, mm-hmm. first character, Noho Hank. Second favorite character yeah. is Henry Winkler's character of Mr. Uh, Kazanow or uh, Kusano. Kusano, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, yeah. I think it's Gene Kusano, right? I yeah, haven't yeah. seen the second season in a while, so I don't. Gene M. Kusano or Kusano, whatever. But yeah, uh, great show. Um, Very bingeable. Like, oh yeah. I definitely was hoping season three would be out this year, but you know. I guess I can wait. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't, that season two cliffhanger though. Uh, no spoilers. No but spoilers. People, but go watch. Literally, Barry, man, it's <clears> so good. I, I mean, speaking of great HBO shows, I've actually um, been watching one really recently that I was very late to get into. Have you heard of Euphoria? I ha- It's on my watch list. It's surprisingly good. And okay. What I mean by that is like <laughs> from the aesthetic. Uh, you would think it's Riverdale, but like Ooh. R-rated, you know? <laughs> right. But it's not quite like that. It's like more about addiction and the characters than it is okay. about being like teen drama-y. Like, don't get yeah. me wrong. There's plenty of teen drama in the show, mm-hmm. but it's more concerned with like the bigger stuff and like the characters. And I think it's one of the most tastefully done like looks at addiction that I've seen in a long mm-hmm. time. And also... It's wonderfully representative. Like, I think this is the first show I've seen where a transgender character is actually played by a transgender actress. Oh, okay. Um, the main, one of the main characters, Jules, is actually transgender and actually helped write a bunch of the episodes and executively produces the okay. show. So it's a really engaging look yeah. at that. But um, this week, they came out with a special for it. Um, and this was filmed during COVID times. So mm-hmm. this is actually really interesting. They like all took COVID tests, quarantined for two weeks, and then all went on set and filmed with like social distancing guidelines. And it's one of the 
best episodes of television I've seen in a really long time. Really? Like, wow. It's a bottle episode. Have you heard of this concept? Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, re- I also saw you tweet about it. You were like, this. I forgot I was watching like this, this show, like that it was Euphoria. And I was like, that's cool. Like Those episodes are rare and yeah. very far and few between in television. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, I, I, I definitely need to watch it. Because you're not the first person to rave about it. I've seen some really good reviews it's on it. It's very, very good. And, and this episode especially felt like like a really well done play like the dialogue Mm -hmm. is just that good i don't know like if you're not watching euphoria that's some stuff i gotta turn you on to but like i guess we're talking about television that's so good it could be film you know like Mm -hmm. really well written but i mean did you watch any movies this week Uh, i slacked a little bit i okay so i slacked in the reason that if y'all are expecting us to review mank yet i have not watched mank yet oh no i like it just dropped, like, or did it drop like November thirteenth, and like no one noticed? Like, when did it actually come? No, it no, it actually came out like three days ago. Okay, so it's like, just... <laughs> I don't know. It's Fincher, so I have to watch it. Like, I really want to watch it, and it's about Citizen Kane, like Herman Herman J. Mankiewicz. 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 Okay, cool. <laughs> I didn't know if it was German because if it was German, it would be pronounced Mankiewicz. But uh, either way, I do want to watch it and I'm going to watch it but this week or the past week mainly I've watched Barry um I think I've really slacked this week honestly yeah. I don't think I've watched a, a movie I, I know I have yes I did I watched uh the oh my god yes okay I watched The Artist oh uh, the like 2011 one yes that one best picture um it's all right. Like, uh, it's not uh, best picture. Well, I, when I was watching it, I was like, is this really, like, best picture worthy? Because, but then I looked at what was nominated for best picture that year, and I was like, okay, yeah, well, out of the nominees, this is probably what I would wanted to win. Well, um, what else was nominated that year? I'm trying to remember. Like- so, I'm pretty sure it was... Shoot, there were actually quite a bit nominated. I remember, uh, like when it won, it was very controversial. Like people were saying, like, yeah. is this really like because it's a film that was definitely accused of Oscar because it's black and white, it's silent about Hollywood. It's about so, Hollywood, yeah. which uh, the Oscars are infamously uh, attracted to, like, right giving awards to movie about hollywood which is why i'm so surprised that um once upon a time in hollywood didn't really win anything this last year that was kind of nuts yeah that was kind of that was kind of weird um because i really expected there were a lot of people that thought that movie was going to win best picture yeah simply because simply because it was hollywood and it was tarantino and um but no the best pictures for that year were the descendants uh, oh, extremely yeah. loud and incredibly close. Oof. Yeah, I've heard that's that just... That one was extra Oscar, extra, Oscar bait. Yeah. Right. Uh, the Help, um, which... The Help's got its problems, obviously, but I enjoy The Help. Um, yeah, best picture-worthy, though? Probably not. It's best picture that you saw in your 8th grade English class. Exactly. Yeah, Hugo, which is... Everybody knows that book as growing up, or at least I hope you do. I, I actually didn't, you didn't know read the, the book, book growing up. I just, I mean, saw the movie. Really? Like, and I, I didn't get it, really, like, when I saw it. It's mm-hmm. been a long time, but, like... I just thought it was really just, into itself, you know, like movies and stuff. Like, I think it's so weird because Martin Scorsese directed it. Yeah. And I was like, why is he directing this type of film? It's like his one kid's movie, right? Right. Like, or does he have more? I, I uh, No, that's like his only like kid-friendly movie. Um, I see why he did it, though, because it's yeah. just like, oh, look how wonderful the film is. And yeah, stuff. true. Uh, no, the only other movie, I think the movie everybody wanted to win that year was... Uh, Terrence Malick's uh, The Tree of Life. Uh, was that Terrence Malick or did I say Yeah, that, that was Terrence Malick. Yeah, so, yeah, but... Okay, of those options, yeah, the artist is looking a little bit better. I think yeah. there was stuff that was snubbed maybe that people right. wanted to win. Because I remember Definitely. Stuckman, Chris Stuckman, talking about it and being like, yeah, this was Oscar bait that just won out this year. Yeah. Um. Well, what, what I think is really interesting about that year, we kind of got off into a rabbit hole, but that's yeah. okay. We're talking movies. Um, what I think was weird was, you know, Drive with, um, Ryan Ryan Gosling, Gosling. nothing like, I'm sure it got nominated in some, but like for best picture, like, I don't know when you think of 2011 movies, I think of Drive. I do too. Like it's the most 
film, um, filmy film film that's ever filmed. Honestly, like I mean, it's it's got your like wannabe Tarantino dialogue and like the the silky like eighties like soundtrack. Yeah. Like I really love that song. Real human. Yes, it's so good. It's stuck in your head really easily. Too. Yeah, and I mean honestly. A lot of people call it like art house, like kind of boring trash, but I thought it had just the right amount of like excitement mm-hmm. and character development. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I love Drive. That's a really great movie. I haven't seen it in a long time, but right. it, it's definitely a shame it got snubbed, but I can see why. Because uh, it is pretty violent there. And yeah. The Oscars don't love it when they you don't, go too far. Yeah, they're into the specific. Yeah, they're like, Tarantino, you're allowed to be violent. Yeah. Everyone else, uh, <laughs> maybe keep it more like uh, drama. Right, like yeah. Drama. But no, yeah, but Drive's good. But um, yeah, I watched The Artist. And then, <laughs> yeah, just all that to say. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking, I was like, where did this conversation even come from? But I know. <laughs> I watched The Artist, and then immediately after, um, uh, Donna uh, got me to watch uh, the Les Mis, the Hugh Jackman oh. and Russell Crowe version that came out. Yeah, I've got a bone to pick with that. I know. It seems like everybody does. And honestly, I, I can see why. But at the same time, I'm just like, this I don't watch musicals really, like mm-hmm. I, I hate musicals. La La Land gets a pass, but well, Les Mis just for some reason really just kind of got me, and I was like, like this isn't this isn't horrible. Like I, obviously everybody dogs on it for reasons and stuff, but I don't know. It was all right. It's like Les Mis the movie is a an acceptable version of that story if you've never seen the musical like on stage before right but the instant you see it you'll see where they really went wrong there's a great video essay on youtube by this channel sideways that talks about how the music is essentially like ruined by the film and it's got a lot to do with the actor's choices like russell crowe is the easy target because people very fairly point out that he isn't singing like at all he's like talking mm-hmm. through songs and these are songs that you're supposed to belt but it's like everyone like hugh jackman does that a lot like there are lines that are like belted in the stage show and like when hugh jackman does it he's like talking like this which yeah. is to make it dramatic but it just like detracts from the fact that it's supposed to be a song like i don't know it's really the music for me that ruins mm-hmm. it and then also the cinematography for Blame Is the film is just so dingy and like gross. Like oh I yeah, the cinematography is horrible. I kind of hate it though. Like it looks disgusting. Yeah. And, like I get that maybe that's supposed to be like more period representative, but I don't think that's what you do with the music in Les Mis. Like I don't know. Like it's it's probably the look you go for if you're adapting Victor Hugo's work like from book to screen. But adapting a musical to the screen is like a very tricky thing to get right. And I think that in terms of that movie adaptation, they really messed it up. Like, mm-hmm. I think that they left all the elements of the stage play that worked. I mean, of the musical that worked on the stage and they didn't bring it over to the film, which is a darn shame because they tried a lot of tactics like live scening that just yeah. come across as gimmicky to me. Yeah. You know, like why? I couldn't honestly even tell the difference. Like, no. I never really know how they film musicals I, I i always assumed it was done post mm-hmm. but sometimes i'm like do they actually sing and like while watching les mis i'm like they're definitely singing like right now in my face in the camera they're singing um it didn't really make a difference to me like it all felt really the same as any other musical i watch really what bothers me about les mis is actually its story which probably is uh nearly the same as the as the play i know the movie adds some stuff uh i'm trying to remember it's been a while since i've seen the movie version yeah i just think the whole the whole love thing with uh what's the girl's name the little girl the whole point of the oh cosette (laughs) cosette are are you talking about the love triangle between cosette cosette it's just so stupid to me i'm like i was invested in the movie like at the beginning because i thought that this was going to be like a redemption tale for Jean Valjean, uh, and I was into that. 
And then, you know, it just kind of switches gears like two or three times because obviously it goes separated in like blocks of years. Like, you know, Mm -hmm. time passes, obviously. But then it just, it spent, the movie at least, spends at least an hour, you know, on this love triangle that I am just not interested and I don't care about at all. Like, I I would much rather watch the story of Jean Valjean and, um, Russell Crowe's character can't think of his name. Oh, Javert. Javert, yeah. And I'm Javert! And I'm Javert, yeah. I don't know, some of the, <laughs> some of the songs are kind of catchy too. I They're... like the, I like the very first song. Uh, uh, look down, oh, look down. Love that song. This is that's like my favorite musical, like up there with Hamilton mm-hmm. um, and Company. But I, uh, I don't know. Like I think that it's pretty similar to the structure of the story in the musical. Mm-hmm. So I'll say this: the book that they're adapting is one of the densest like works ever. Like yeah. people usually say it's three Bibles long, <laughs> um, and it's filled with like details that victor hugo has just thrown in about like french history like when he's describing a street like suddenly it's like oh here's an important battle like that Mm -hmm. took place here like many years ago and this is how it affected all this all this to say like the street looked like that you know yeah um and i think what's so great about the musical is like it's not necessarily the most concise way to tell Mm-hmm. all of those details like probably you could have taken those story elements and put them together in a different way but it's not concerned so much about story structure it's concerned about conveying um through music like this story and all the emotions and mm-hmm. the range of emotions you're supposed to feel which is why i think the film when you watch it you're going to notice those story flaws so much more is because you're not feeling the emotion mm-hmm. that the musical would usually force you to feel you know I think that when you strip the show bare and put it on screen and you're like, look at it and look at its flaws and stuff, you're just not going to see as engaging of a story as you would see in your average movie. And that's because musicals aren't as interested in their stories. I think they're more interested in how the experience is. Right. Valid point. (laughs) (laughs) I know that we can't delve too much into musicals since you hate them well so. well i mean no i would love to have an episode where we talk about musicals because yeah. i mean i say i hate musicals but i've i've watched set like uh, my fair share of musicals and i want to watch more because i it's something that i want to get into but so far i've not been totally impressed with the work that i've seen but i could just need to watch actual good musicals maybe i've been watching bad ones but yeah i mean to be fair there's not a ton out there like most stage productions that are put to the screen aren't like super critically acclaimed like Mm -hmm. it's it's typically like if a movie is made as a musical that's when it works like sound of music well sound of music was adapted from like a stage play so i guess that's a good one um any disney movie that was created for its medium so it's gonna work as a musical there uh and then ironically enough they adapt the movie into a stage play later on like lion king right then it becomes a cultural sensation on the stage yeah um really interesting speaking of cultural sensations (laughs) (laughs) okay (laughs) Uh, i don't know if that's the way to introduce the stuff i want to talk about with you today um Speaking of movements. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I know. Well, last week we kind of touched on like the alt-right's influence mm-hmm. with, with the film um, uh, Feels Good Man. Feels Good Man, yeah. Yeah, and that talked about like the alt-right like tainting things. Mm-hmm. The alt-right has actually become very prevalent in film criticism these days. And I, kind I of hate was, that. <laughs> like that, like... What you just said is true, but it makes me laugh, and it kind of makes me mad at the same time. It's, like, it, it's hard to not laugh. I know. To use the word criticism would kind of be um, flattering. Right? What like, <laughs> like, what it is, is the alt-right is uh, very prominent in film whining. Yeah, days. I was about to say they whine a lot. Like, I think the start of 2020 was the perfect way to sum up the way that the alt-right is involved with film criticism when parasite won best picture you know you can go online and there's that video of that guy complaining the whole time Mm -hmm. that it's a foreign film and the best picture should have gone to joker you know he admits (laughs) 
He admits he has not seen the movie. Yeah. Uh, and then goes ahead and says that it's not worthy anyway. Uh, what's funny to me, though, is in that video, he's listing off all the movies. He's like, Little Women, uh, American movie. That probably should have won. But I guarantee you, if Little Women had Literally. won Best Picture, that guy would have come on there and been like, what? What does Little Women have to say? Joker's the best movie ever made. Little Women, it's 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 the it's feminist propaganda. It is. <laughs> and what what I'm saying is, there's a, a movement uh, that started back in 2015, although it, it was a little bit earlier than that. That's kind of uh, taken a stance of anti-feminism. It's not necessarily, uh, you know, men's rights. It's more like. Why are women like on the screen yeah. so much? Um, do you remember Mad Max Fury Road? Oh my God, do I? <laughs> That's a great. I have a very fond theater experience of Mad Max Fury oh, Road. I didn't get to see it. In the you theater. didn't get to see it. Oh, it was beautiful. Me and my friends went and saw it twice. Uh, it I saw great. it on like at home. My dad <laughs> bought it on standard definition, so I don't know. <laughs> that was the same. Sorry, Dad. <laughs> Gotta shame you on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, hey, like all my movies are standard definition. Anyway, oh no! So <laughs> it's just like screens are getting a little too big for standard definition. Honestly, yeah. But um, this movement of like meninism. <laughs> yeah, such a funny word to say. That's the word that they gave it, though. Literally, you know. Um, it's because they they're... saw feminism and they were exactly. like, "How can we put us in there?" Meninism. Meninism. It's such a stupid concept. What yeah. they what they say it is, uh, what they say meninism is is basically like we believe that men should have equal rights to women. And I'm like, you are just saying that you are a feminist because that is exactly what feminist means. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just kind of flip that women should have the same rights as men, like. But they're that's their cover basically for what they actually you know want to whine about. It's a, it's a movement that's completely based in ignorance because mm-hmm. when it started up with Mad Max Fury Road, um, the article that um, kind of got this movement going was called like I uh, am not going to see Mad Max Fury Road. Here's why, and it was an article all about how in the trailers. Uh, Charlize Theron's character Furiosa seems to have a lot of lines and Mad Max doesn't seem to have a lot of lines he infamously like, has like no he says, lines I have not seen the movie yet in this article yeah. but he goes on to explain that like uh, it's supposed to be Mad Max's movie like why is she talking so much like it looks like he only has cameo appearances feminism has ruined this movie which is funny that he's talking about the amount of lines Mad Max has, mm-hmm. because even in the original Mad Max trilogy, like Mad Max the Road Warrior, mm-hmm. he has like 16 lines throughout that whole movie. Mad Max yeah. is a silent mm-hmm. protagonist for most of the movie. Right. Plot happens to him. It doesn't yeah. go the other way around. And it's the same in Fury Road. Like The story definitely takes a back seat to the action set pieces. Like. It doesn't really end up mattering that Furiosa has more lines than Mad Max because mm-hmm. the the same thing happens anyway. Vehicle chases, like yeah. big explosions, practical mm-hmm. effects on like display. Mm-hmm. That's what those films are about. Right. But this article argues that by placing a woman as a central character, that uh, the film is ruined. You know, like, before it's even begun, yeah. it's off on the wrong foot because it's taking away this role from a man. Um, and then, to make matters worse, people who did see the movie uh, came back and they offered up the criticism that Furiosa is simply too amazing and perfect. And where did she learn to do that? And a term that got very popular around that time and got even more popular with Ray from Star Wars is Mary Sue. Mary Sue, yeah. That's when you start hearing that a lot. And Mary Sue, uh, the basic definition is like uh, a female character that is so perfect that she has no flaws whatsoever. And and alt-right people typically use it to describe like a trite movie or like this is SJW trash. Mm -hmm. Often you'll hear Mary Sue and SJW trash in the same same sentence. sentence, You know? Um. And that, that kind of baffles me that this has picked up steam because it's still happening. Yeah. You know, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, uh, 
all of the following Star Wars movies. Yeah, like, yeah. Anything that you see that comes out with like a woman in the lead role, it often gets like dogpiled on. And yeah. I kind of wanted to talk about like some instances where, you know, maybe criticism of the writing of the characters mm-hmm. may be welcome. And instances where this is just clearly blatant sexism that's yeah. kind of snuck into the world of film criticism and it's definitely had a huge effect on people so um i kind of wanted to jump in mm-hmm. i i haven't seen fury road all that much that i can talk about it mm-hmm. but i kind of wanted to jump into the character of ray who i think is the biggest right. example of uh these people's like targets of attack um and i wanted to ask you just honestly, you don't have to like mm-hmm. try and appease me here because <laughs> yeah. I, I guarantee you I might end up having some similar thoughts. But what do you think about the character of Ray? I have <clears throat> I have an interesting uh, or maybe not interesting is not the word. I have an I have an opinion about like so it's weird because to ju- to jump as a jumping off point into Ray, the movies that the Meninists criticize have a right to be criticized, but they are criticizing them for the wrong reasons, mm-hmm. in my opinion. So, for example, um, you know, Star Wars. It's not the best written, like, start to a sequel trilogy. It's basically riffing off A New Hope, and, you know, a lot, maybe a lot of people like that. The character of Rey, I think, is a consequence of a man writing the story yes um not saying that men can't write women characters not saying that at all i'm saying i was actually gonna say maybe they can't (laughs) but i mean there no i've seen movies written by men where women characters are written very awesome um but it seems to me that in hollywood they can't they can't like hollywood people who write movies that like for blockbusters women are all written the same and i think ray is sort of a weaker character that sh- because you know that she was written by J.J. Abrams and probably like a bunch of other like men, mm-hmm. but to say that she has no flaws is be- that's uh, like a, a lot of the arguments I heard is like Ray has no flaws. You know she had no Jedi training and all of a sudden she's this big, you know whoop de doo. And I'm I'm like okay, she she does have a flaw. It she has a couple of flaws, but. And the Jedi training stuff can easily be explained away, I think, because I'm pretty sure the character of Luke was the same way. There are a lot of men characters in pop culture and in popular movies that you could basically call a Mary Sue if we're going by yeah. their rules. I think most superhero films mm-hmm. are male examples of Mary Sue's. Like, uh, Captain America takes steroids and now he's like perfect in every way. Like, yeah. and I, I get that that's. But that's the thing, is it's explained away with like oh, he takes the serum and he's amazing now. Mm-hmm. Why is it so hard to accept when it comes to female characters put in that same like fantastical action role that they can be capable of that? Like, yeah. I think the most common thing I hear when it comes to Rey from Star Wars is like, oh, there should have been training. It should have showed her training. Yeah. I think that sounds like a horrible that <laughs> like, sounds so boring a very boring movie like if you think about it even in empire the training with yoda on dagobah was only like it took up 10 minutes of the movie not yeah. even and honestly it's not the training that even mattered it's those exactly. character moments between luke and yoda and like mm-hmm. the revelation about like uh not being ready and like the, him going into the cave and mm-hmm. like fighting himself like it's you hardly see him train and i mean obviously people like to bring up the point that luke is even told like in that movie like you haven't trained enough Mm -hmm. um you're not ready for to fight darth vader and he loses you know he gets his ass handed to him yeah but the same thing happens to ray you know right and this is maybe a weaker aspect of the writing in last jedi that people should be criticizing because it's just luke's character arc again she goes to train with luke she gets emotional and wants to like help uh, Kylo Ren convert to the light side and she goes off and Luke's like you're not ready this is not going to go the way you think and she shows up and sure enough she also gets her ass handed to her mm-hmm. by Snoke who's there and he's just yeah. chilling and you know he like lifts her around plays mm-hmm. with her, and he's like go go kill him Kylo Ren and mm-hmm. Adam Driver's like mm, no <laughs> <laughs> 
no. <laughs> really, I want to. <laughs> I want to get my Adam Driver done. <laughs> but yeah, I think. <laughs> but like, it's the same situation. Yeah. But you know, where in Empire, you're okay with it. Yeah. In Last Jedi, suddenly that's like too much for you. Right, right. You know? And we're not saying that it's like, I'm, I'm not saying that they are well-written movies by no. any means. I'm saying though that the same, the same um, flaws that are prevalent uh, prevalent in um, the sequel trilogy are the same writing problems that are prevalent in the original trilogy because you know they're riffing off of each other, especially the Force Awakens. I mean, my God, it's just a new hope, mm-hmm. and if you're gonna criticize it, you just criticize the writing of you know George Lucas for the first. For the original trilogy. He's the one who basically, you know, he wrote that stuff. And J.J., all he's doing is copying. And all he did was literally gender swap who was in the, you know, the main role. Mm-hmm. Um, and it speaks volumes that, like, the instant you gender swap it. Oh, yeah. Like, the criticism that starts coming in. Like, where were you guys before when these problems already existed in the male archetype of this character? And you just ignored it because mm-hmm. Star Wars. Like, <laughs> and I'm not saying that, like... Everyone who has problems with the character of Rey is sexist. Like, no. I'm going to say this right now. I think it's a very wooden and stale character. Oh, yeah, definitely. And, like, I think all the potential that I saw in her was definitely squashed by the end of that trilogy. Because yeah. I think, you know, annual uh, weekly hating on Rise of Skywalker time. Yeah, oh, here we I, go. <laughs> What's new this week? We talk about it every week. But <laughs> how many times do we have to teach you this lesson, <laughs> old man? <laughs> But in that movie, yeah, she shows up and some more time has passed and she is like Jesus, you know, like <laughs> literally she can bring people <laughs> back, back to from the yeah. dead and like, it's not really talked about. And I'm not saying the answer is like show training montages and have a scene <laughs> where Ray says, oh, and then I learned how to bring people back to life with the force. <laughs> like, no, that's not the problem there. The problem there is like relative to like what we've seen this character do this just doesn't yeah. make sense to suddenly be a thing that's happening yeah. you know and like you can say a few years has passed but you got to give us more than what you what you're saying and showing like all we see her doing at the beginning of the movie is floating off the ground and chopping a couple trees over and yeah. then suddenly it it's plot armor I think is the problem uh, yeah. that I have with her is like I never once felt that she was at risk because never once in the whole trilogy does she get a scratch on her. Yeah. You know? And that's not the character's fault. That's the writer's fault. Honestly. They don't have stakes. I and think therefore the character doesn't have stakes. I honestly think and this might be a hot this might be a hot take. I don't know. I think Finn's character is written relatively well in mm. the sequel trilogy because he, this is a character that I did fear for his life in two instances. Yeah. In, in both movies. The Rise of Skywalker, obviously not because it's a dog shit movie. But <laughs> um, the, the, the first movie, he you're presented with this character who's a stormtrooper. And he... Um, Which, by the way, speaking of Finn being a stormtrooper... That was another big branch of this alt-right movement is the instant a black stormtrooper was in that teaser trailer, exactly. people lost their minds. Exactly. Like, what? Um, I just wanted to say that really Yeah, quick. I know. That and I was actually... character of I was, I was about to mention that, actually, because I was about to say, I was like, I think they freaked out about Finn being black, yeah. too, which is just... It amazes me, but either way, um, what I'm saying is, you know, he has, uh, like, he's a stormtrooper, and he's, like, his he's got this conviction of... Uh, I shouldn't be killing. And that's something we've never seen in the Star Wars universe up until now. Maybe in uh, like the books or something that may have happened. But in, in Star Wars trilogy, Star Wars media, we've never seen that. And I liked his character from the get-go. Like, I don't understand why that same kind of energy and like writing in Finn's character cannot be transferred over to our main character. Mm-hmm. And it, it goes for any character, no matter if it's a, it's a woman or anything. Like that's the criticism I have is like, I like this character. I think he's well-written. Why isn't our main character well-written? Um, and I like, I guess our point really is that like the writing problems have been there, but just because they gender swapped, 
the roles, the meninists thought it was because they made a woman that, you know, the writing of the character sucks. And that's just not the case. I think, like, yeah, what I what I think transitions from Star Wars to, like, a lot of the other movies that I kind of want to talk about is that it's the Hollywood element that comes into mm-hmm. a problem here. I think one of the most controversial uh, blood-raising movies that's come out in the past few years was the Ghostbusters Oh, my God, reboot. yeah. And, I thought I know, would never hear the end of that discourse. <laughs> like no, it's still yeah. going on too. I think it's like, still kind of happening. Yeah. I mean, like you bring it up and people are going to have thoughts. Oh, still. definitely. Um, the problem there is like obviously a lot of people knee jerk reaction was, "Wow, the rebooting Ghostbusters with an all female cast. How pointless! This is terrible. I hate it." Mm-hmm. And you know, no one's seen the movie yet. Um, but I think to be fair, in that instance. A lot of people see that those trailers they start coming out with, and you've got Melissa McCarthy like screaming and like <laughs> Leslie Nope like slapping. The, no, not Leslie Nope. Wait, <laughs> Leslie. Um... What? I can't get Leslie Nope out of my head. Oh no! <laughs> you ruined me. <laughs> Wait. Oh God. It's Leslie. Oh my God. She's on Saturday Night Live. Yeah. What? No. Um. Kate. There's isn't Kate McKinnon there's Kate in this? McKinnon. There's uh, Kristen Wiig, uh, and there's... Hold on, I got it pulled up right here. Okay. Uh, Leslie Jones. Leslie Jones. Yeah. I heard that own in that... Nope, nope. I, <laughs> I can't explain it away. I don't know why I couldn't think of Leslie Jones's last name. But you've got her, like, slapping Melissa McCarthy, and that's, like, the joke. And people are like, oh. What is that? Uh-oh. All right, uh, gonna be honest... Phone started going off in the background <laughs> of that last conversation, uh, <laughs> so we had to pause for a minute. But we're back, uh, be- better than ever. Better than ever, yeah. Um, so uh, we were talking about Ghostbusters, the 2016 one, um, and I think in that instance, that you know, people seeing the trailer, I don't think they could be faulted for thinking that maybe the movie was just going to be bad. Yeah. Based off of like the content in the trailer. Like I think that is where there's kind of a muddied like line here mm-hmm. where like there's genuinely like sexist people, but then on the other side there's people who genuinely think like the movie's gonna be bad and in the middle you have a bit of a mess when you're trying to figure out and distinguish who's who and like there there is this really um terrible article about a YouTuber I respect. His name's James Rolfe. And he posted a video that was like, I don't want to see the new Ghostbusters because it's uh, disrespectful to the old cast member, Harold Ramis, who died. Um, And like The Guardian, I think, published an article about how he's horribly sexist and ignorant. Yeah. Um, And I think that that's where um, this is what fuels the meninists a little bit is like when you just bandwagon on people and call them sexist like that. Uh, you're just going to get folks riled up and it's not yeah. even necessarily like the truth mm-hmm. of the matter. Like, I don't think that James Rolfe is sexist. I really do think that he just didn't want to see the movie because right. he didn't think it was going to be a good movie. <laughs> yeah. And I saw Ghostbusters 2016 in the theaters and let me tell you, it's pretty terrible movie. <laughs> it's, it's really bad. Like, yeah, that, no, I, I didn't see it. And I... I Fully had intentions to, but like I'm, I'm kind of like that that group of people that saw the trailer and just thought it was just. I think it's pointless to reboot Ghostbusters, mm-hmm. um, and then you know with them rebooting it and then making it you know the full women cast, I wasn't necessarily bothered by that. I just thought like okay, well you know I know what they're trying to do. It's cool, but then the content of the all the trailers that I watched and all the clips that I watched, I was like. This is simply just not funny to me, really, and not, and also as a big, huge fan of the first two original Ghostbusters movies, I would just rather not see that series brought back at all, really. Like, even the newest Ghostbusters Afterlife, I'm not totally on board with at all either. It sounds really dumb. It sounds, yeah, it's like, it's (laughs) like if, uh, they're basically just going like the kid route. They're like, well, we tried rebooting it. Why don't we do a sequel with kids? And I'm like, I don't want to freaking see that either. Like, you don't understand. I don't want to see any more iterations of Ghostbusters. I I want my first two movies and that's it. So 
but you know, then there was the whole discourse, of course, discourse, of course, <laughs> uh, with, uh, w- like I got on, like I got on YouTube and I started seeing all these videos about like the new Ghostbusters is going to suck. And I'm like, yeah, it is. Cause you know, it's pointless and we don't need this reboot. And then I click on the video and they're talking about how it's a women cast. And I'm like, that's not why it's going to suck. That's what are you doing? Good. What are you doing? <laughs> and I think, I think with Ghostbusters, uh, and I hate to throw anyone under the bus for that train wreck because I'm sure a lot of people are responsible for it. But I think yeah. that's an instance where I really, truly think that um, males uh, are not often the best people to put in charge of women characters mm-hmm. because I think that they don't get like how to yeah. write for, for that type of character, for that exactly. audience. I mean, for women in general. And it's like the problem with ghostbusters is like it's all this like random like slapstick that they think people liked from bridesmaids yeah you know it's just a bunch of stuff that's like clearly they're throwing it at the wall and hoping it sticks and trying to appeal to this audience but like no women like helped write that like i think melissa mccarthy improvised a lot of her stuff i think the Mm -hmm. cast like improvised amongst each other and some of that's probably the funnier material in the movie I'm going to be real. I don't really like it when Melissa, Melissa McCarthy improvs in a movie. I don't think she's especially funny right. at it. But, I mean, I respect that more than whatever crap they were given. Yeah. You know, honestly. in the script. Because Melissa McCarthy is actually a great actress. Yeah. Because I watched uh, Can You Ever Forgive Me. Oh, uh, is that the one that's pretty uh, dramatic? Yeah. it was. It's a, it's a total drama about the woman that... Uh, forged documents like handwriting mm-hmm. documents uh for famous like people uh she did amazing in that movie like totally stellar and then you compare that to you know her work in like ghostbusters and like tammy god forbid it's just it's just not good and that's that that's the that's what we're talking about with the valid criticisms of these movies um that get totally fogged up by you know the this movement of people that are just like it, the the women the women they, they suck they're they're tearing it apart and like <laughs> no <laughs> i i think that this is just like this this is the base of the movement is that mm-hmm. people have started believing that actors are somehow responsible for the quality of the product like yeah people dogpiling on the actress who played rose in the last jedi yeah like horrible things said to her by the way Mm -hmm. that was just a bad thing they bullied her off of social media yeah meanwhile she did not write a line of dialogue literally for for star wars and like literally has only ever been a pleasant human being (laughs) in public like i don't understand how this came to be and that's why this movement infuriates me so much is like people will dogpile on anyone you know just for being a woman in the lead role and people like try and justify it with like brie larson because she's calling people out on their crap like i like brie larson she is Mm -hmm. a great actress i don't think captain marvel is a very good movie no (laughs) but i don't think that has anything to do with brie larson being yeah because i know she's got charisma and i know she's a great actress that's again another example of a male team not knowing how to push forward yeah. a superhero and i think you know we've, we're talking about these like bad like examples of characters and like maybe where criticism is not like necessarily um unjustified mm-hmm. but i kind of want to talk about when i think uh female characters taking the center stage really works and i think it's most often when a woman writes the character yeah like some of the best characters I'm thinking about right off the top of my head, you know, Hermione Granger, written by J.K. Rowling, you mm-hmm. know, uh, Katniss Everdeen, written by Suzanne Collins. Like, these characters who are women, who are written by actual women, yeah, often end up being, like, actually developed. And, mm-hmm. you know, people complain less, too. Like, did you Honestly. ever hear anyone complain about Katniss being the main character? No, games? no, like, I never heard that. I never heard any complaining about Hermione, about... Uh, Katniss about like anything where like the source material that they're pulling from is mm-hmm. either written by a woman you know or it's always been a woman then transferring it over there's no I hear no nothing like crickets you know um, because they're just I don't know I think they're, they're solid they're solid characters. characters yeah and I think um, 
Hermione is a really good example of like what we're getting at with like you know male like perfection in movies and like you know mm-hmm. this amazing man man main character is like doing everything perfectly Hermione is a really good example of a character who is definitely at an elevated skill level you know like Hermione mm-hmm. is always the one that they go to yeah if they've got some kind of problem they don't know how to solve it Hermione usually has like a solution yeah and people are like chill with it mm-hmm. like I guess what I think works about Hermione is that she's well-rounded in other ways like she's like amazing and perfect at like school but then you know JK Rowling's taken great care to show like her her pride or like her um unwillingness to take risks in a lot of instances like it's just a well-rounded character and Mm -hmm. i think when a male writes a character often if they have good intentions they want to make that perfect female you know that has no flaws that's not interesting yeah captain marvel isn't interesting for that reason she has no flaws she has no flaws whatsoever yeah and that's what i think about male characters too you know you have no flaws whatsoever i think the overcompensation of oh, look, a woman's in the lead role, I'm going to yeah. make her amazing, is just as harmful as um, sidelining women completely. You exactly. Know? Because you're you're giving fuel to this movement to be mm-hmm. like, women can't be interesting because they can. And they yeah. are often very compelling. Right. I think Hollywood is just where it gets mucked up a lot. Honestly, know? yeah. Because uh, I think, um, like I mentioned, uh, you actually, Francis Ha. Mm-hmm. It's directed by a man, but co-written by Greta Gerwig herself, and that is like one of the most charming, funny, endearing women characters I've seen on screen, like ever. She just feels like a real person. She feels so real, exactly. Like, um, I I think Francis is like slowly becoming maybe one of my favorite like film characters because it just feels. Like, it feels like maybe it was based on a book because it's just Almost, so yeah. rich. Like, yeah. the character development in that movie. Like, and it's such a short film, too. Oh, my Francis God. Ha yeah. is only like an hour and 20 minutes. Yeah. It's, a, it's every minute well spent. You <laughs> right? know? Yeah. Um, and I think I love that about Greta Gerwig, too, is that she's another woman that we can talk about who writes phenomenal female characters. Oh like, my God. I know you don't like Lady Bird as much no but um i'm a very big fan of the characterization in lady mm-hmm. bird and especially in little women yeah like i think that's an adaptation that handles its character so perfectly because joe march um is this great example of like someone who has incredible skill and ability and if you give the situation that they're in stakes and you round the character with flaws you know mm-hmm. like that's what people want to see and i think that greta gerwig is one of those leaders uh, in feminist filmmaking right now. Like, it may not like seem much. She only has two films under her belt, but they both have raised such, you know, praise and acclaim. Mm-hmm. And like, Little Women being a hit is actually a huge deal. Yeah. Like, period pieces. They're and never female-led cast. Yeah. Pieces just aren't at the forefront right mm-hmm. now. And she managed yeah. to take both of those make it insanely interesting and like very endearing and uh got not only the kind of the oscar audience like the academy audience um you know film people like us to be interested also got the mainstream Mm -hmm. audience people who only see hollywood blockbusters you know a lot of people went and saw this movie little women and was it was basically universally uh, like praised um and yeah, for I good reason. What the tomato meter is on that. I thing. think it's like it's an. I think it's ninety something. Um, but no, yeah, the movie for good reason because the movie is absolutely phenomenal. I love it. It was my girlfriend's favorite movie of two thousand nineteen. Probably one of her favorite movies ever. Like it's really good. It's so it's it's got a ninety five. Ninety five, uh, and yeah. it's got four hundred eight reviews from cool. critics, and the audience score is also fantastic. That's right. a ninety two percent. So. Even amongst, you know, your, your like, diehard, like, I'm not really into this kind of movie, people. Uh, yeah. They like it. You yeah. Know, they're going to see it. I wasn't interested it. in it, honestly. Like, really? When we went, uh, when we saw it, me and Donna Smith, uh, it was January 1st, 2020. Uh, <laughs> we had no idea. We were trying to bring in the new year by, we, we spent the whole day in the movie theater. And we saw, like, three movies. 
and one of them was Little Women, and it was actually the movie that I was the least excited for that day because I I knew Greta Gerwig directed it, and I knew that I didn't like Lady Bird as much, and we were just sort of, I was signing, I was kind of like mm, you know, but I got in there and I was like. By the end of the movie, I was like in tears, like walking out, like I want to watch that again immediately. Um, and it's the product of having a woman basically like lead the entire project and know exactly how to how to write or how to adapt the characters. Mm. It's it's just it's simple it's simple math that mm-hmm. Hollywood has to do. Um, you know, I think. These films like, uh, which this is a weird one. The newest Charlie's Angels I never movie. saw it. Okay. Understandably, obviously, it's... And a, this is directed and written by Elizabeth Banks, right? Exactly. Yeah, so. It's horrible. Like, just... Like, horrible in the sense that, like, valid valid criticisms. Like, I think the tomino, tomato meter for that movie is just, just bad. And, like, everybody that went and saw it, they're like, it's just bad. Be, and that's weird because you, we have an instance where the characters, it's written and directed by Elizabeth Banks, but I think it's the uh, a side effect of um, trying to make... Uh, Charlie's, Charlie's Angels, when it was a show, was all about like basically ex, like sexual over-sexualizing the women. Yeah. Know, women with guns. That's the thing that men want to see. And like the movie's trying to counteract that. It's trying to bit. counteract that, but by doing way too much um like i i haven't seen the movie but from what i've read about it um it's very just uh i'm pretty sure like one of the at least like a couple of the women in the movie are uh lgbt Mm -hmm. um and so they really play into that i think kristen stewart is is her to be right so i think what they tried to do is kind of reverse it on the men that like watch the movie like Men who watch this movie to see like sexualized women, they're like, they're gay. So, what are you gonna do now? But then the movie, the writing is just sort of you know poo poo papa. That it, what she tried to did is just try. What she tried to do is now like null and void because the movie was so awful that nobody's and because it's over the top like that. Um, it's just a very threatening movie, honestly, and I think it made a lot of people not want to see it. Um, and obviously the men in this, they had a hell of a time with that one. That was, that was on the YouTube feed forever. Um, I, I think that that one is definitely very interesting because on my feed, like it was a lot of like female YouTube critics that were, were laying into it and mm -hmm. I, I haven't seen the movie, but I'm starting to think it must be for pretty good reason that it's just a shoddy like film. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I think that's goes to show that the solution isn't like oh only women are allowed to write female characters and no, like, yeah. direct female-led movies because i do not think that's the answer i don't think it's that no. simple like i think patty jenkins made a pretty great movie with wonder woman uh-huh. but i don't think it's simply because she is a woman and yeah. that's why captain marvel is bad because it's directed by like a, a male duo or anything like i i don't think there's correlation there and i think it would yeah. be a bit naive to say that but um what i am saying is we've got to step it up a little bit we've got to really like try to not go to our old crutches and like i think there are male authors who i really respect who are on the right track with this um i want to give a caveat here to george rr martin because i think that he writes very engaging powerful female characters but i think that the problem is he's still obsessed with the sexual aspect. Yeah. Like, or at least in the books. Like, I think in the show they actually did a great job kind of counteracting some problems in the source material. Mm-hmm. In the books, um, you know, there are great sick characters like uh, Daenerys Targaryen, Sansa Stark, Arya Stark, uh, Cersei Lannister. Like, they're all very powerful and rounded and have flaws and, like, goals. And it's very interesting to watch. But, uh... The problem is that each character, he's got to devote this, like, needless, like, sexuality, like, aspect to. Like, there's, like, at least three different instances where, like, he's caused, like, this his own lesbian fetish to be pushed onto the girl characters. Like, there's a chapter where Sansa's like, oh, and yes, and I play kissing with this other girl in the court, and we're getting good at it. We started using our tongues, and, like, 
it's just gross to see yeah. this like male author like put that on that character like Daenerys a 13 year old girl in the books talking about how she's like being felt up by her female maid and like doesn't serve to develop the character or anything it just feels like male sexual fantasy mm-hmm. um although i guess you could say like fantasy is a bit um masturbatory as a genre <laughs> anyway uh, right definitely it always <laughs> that's what always throws me off about the fantasy genre like even though i like fantasy films you know lord of the rings the hobbit uh harry potter even like it's there's always this element to where i'm like somebody out there right now is writing a adult fan fiction yeah. of this of material and um it's it's like it's the genre where women i think are sexualized the most besides the action like movie like that sort of subgenre mm-hmm. there fantasy is just over sexualization of, of anything feminine it's super weird um yeah I, everyone's got to be like Every woman who appears in fantasy has got to be like a beautiful like goddess mm-hmm. and stuff. Like I don't think that you could have an equivalent to a character like Tyrion um, mm-hmm. for women in fantasy because the instant that a woman is like ugly or deformed or anything, she's like, like a witch. People, yeah, people don't want to write about that. Yeah. Like literally, I think in Game of Thrones, like the character of Melisandre, like she takes off her necklace. Yeah, and she's ugly and old and shit. But um, no one would ever write about yeah an old ugly witch you know they want to see this hot sexy takes off her top like mm-hmm. witch and that's like what the the male fantasy writer is concerned about like i truly can't think of like any fantasy writer other than jk rowling who's mm-hmm. a woman who writes about characters who are remotely unattractive and even then hermione Granger was taken from the book oh my god as being a buck-toothed uh, girl and not mm-hmm. as pretty and I mean I think Emma Watson's amazing so this is not yeah. a bash on her but uh-huh. like turned into a conventionally attractive um, yeah woman you know like and she was so over over sexualized by everybody throughout the, the in the movies at least but not in the well books, as she but, got older you know yeah, definitely like, as she got like, older I, yeah. I definitely think it started from an innocent place like in in Sorcerer's Stone or Philosopher's Stone, as it should be called, because that's right. the real name of the book. Um, <laughs> you know, she she's an 11-year-old actress. No one's going there yet. It's just sad to see by the time she reached her later teens, like, you know, all you can see of her is, like, her, like, male gaze just, like, mm-hmm. creeping up on poor Emma Watson. And, yeah, like, literally. And just always talking about, like, oh, Hermione's so hot. That's, like... I get it. I had a crush on Hermione. Like, Everybody did, probably. Yeah, that's like, like our, our childhood like crush growing yeah. up. But that doesn't mean that that was the only thing of value of that character. And like, mm-hmm. I think the grander point was like, mm-hmm. there's not an ugly woman in fantasy, and I think that yeah. still holds that like people just aren't interested in a woman if she can't be sexually desirable or like amazing, like like a goddess. You know, like you have to. You have to have those elements or else this woman character won't be included. Right. You know? Which is absolutely repulsive. <laughs> like, it is repulsive. Um, I think another thing with like the the meninist argument, um, there was a video that I saw where he, this guy, I don't remember the YouTube channel name, but he was uh, talking about, he's like, so what happens when feminists make a film? He's like, well... It's bad, and it's Charlie's Angels, and I'm like, that. Mm. Please stop. Like you have no, and this is what we're talking about with the just so uneducated in film, not well versed in like mm. anything to do with film, and they're saying, like I can like name off the top of my head like five feminist movies that you've probably never heard of because they weren't you know blockbusters. Yeah. There are feminists making movies every single day, and they are amazing. Greta Gerwig and making Little Women and Lady Bird being like two of them, mm-hmm. um, you know, I just they just don't know what they're talking about, and they're using their misguided rage at their beloved characters being flipped, gender swapped, or new movies. Just it, I don't. It's it's not. 
what what I heard one time talking about Lady Bird. The reason I not I don't like Lady Bird as much. I'm not saying it's a it's a bad film. I don't like it because personally I cannot relate to anything in that movie. And I was talking with somebody and it was a girl and she's like, well, that's okay. She's like, it wasn't made for you. And I'm like, you know what? You're right. The movie wasn't made. It wasn't aimed at me, my target demographic. So really I shouldn't be going online and bitching about it, which I didn't do, but I'm saying that's what everybody else is doing. Like if it doesn't concern you, leave it be. If you have valid criticisms of a film, be my guest. Like we have our valid criticisms of Star Wars and Ghostbusters and Charlie's Angels and every you know movie that comes out. But you can't just sit around and scream at the screen because women are in the film. You can't cherry pick films that like help your point. Like exactly. I think the silence around a movie like Booksmart when it comes out from like the Meninist crowd speaks volumes. Because oh, yeah. they're not interested in like actually engaging in film criticism or like mm-hmm. pointing out when a movie is really well done. Because let me tell you, Booksmart is one of the funniest movies that's oh come God. out in a long time. And it's got those two very charming actresses at the front. No names at the time it came out. Yeah. I, I think... Uh, I still don't know their names. I yeah, no, I... I the characters from Booksmart. Because every time I see... Uh, the, the the main character's like best friend in a show I'm like oh my god that's that's, that's her that yeah girl, that's that girl from Booksmart and yeah even the boy in that movie who, who owns like the cruise ship and stuff <laughs> yeah. I'm always like oh it's that boy from Santa Clarita dying yeah. <laughs> like I don't know anyone's name in that movie right I just know that Olivia Wilde knocked it out of the park directing oh and writing yeah. that movie and the meninists and the right wing they're silent because they don't want to actually talk about no. movies that are done well. They don't want to talk about equal opportunity. They want to whine when yeah. it's convenient for them. And I think that's the whole problem here is like it's okay to have problems with a female-led movie. Yeah. But you need to acknowledge when you actually have problems with the movie versus when you have problems with the situations that yeah. are being shown on screen being something that's not for you. Yeah. Just admit that like you don't like that movie because it's not made for you. you yeah. Know? Like it doesn't. Not every Hollywood action movie or comedy needs to be made for men because we yeah. already have so many. We it's have ridiculous. A, we have a an absolutely astoundingly large catalog of movies just for men, and you can watch and any of them. Specifically, <laughs> like, white men. You know? Yes, yes. White men will never run out of films that represent them. If you started watching every movie ever made today, you would be still watching them on your deathbed. <laughs> uh, and you still wouldn't be out of white male-led films, you know? Yeah. So the f- argument that this is like some kind of movement that is putting an end to the white male the- film-going experience... Yeah is ridiculous just look at last year joker grossed a billion dollars joker it's not even like a superhero movie it's like a a subpar uh character r-rated movie that is disguised i i I like i I like to say it's a pool disguised as an ocean yeah it's like of course you'd think a pool steep if you've never seen an ocean (laughs) yeah exactly as drake once said yes drake Drake also problematic, but <laughs> we can't get, <laughs> we into, can't that. get into that anyway. <laughs> but no, yeah, I see what you're saying. Like, uh, yeah, yeah, and then and even then, Joker was nominated for Best Picture. I mean, you're these movies aren't like uh, that. The meninists like most align themselves with, I guess, they're not going anywhere. No. Okay, all we're trying to do is include more diversity, more you know, more women-led films, more. Uh, like a ethnic films, more mm-hmm. you know, films with like black people in in the lead. There's as nothing the stars. wrong with a person of color or a woman being yeah. in a lead role. Like, I guarantee you, there will still be like a sassy white friend character that the producers want in the film yeah. anyway. So, don't fret. Yeah, you still have representation. White males, like <laughs> <laughs> it's not going anywhere. Yeah, and literally. I, I mean, I, I just think it's ridiculous that we've been pretending like it's changing since 2015. And if you look at the top-grossing movies that have come out in the past few years, it clearly has not, not changed. Mm-hmm. You know, 
Um, and I guess that's the main thing I want to say is like, yo, shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Stop talking. (laughs) Um, yeah, we, I enjoy film criticism. I like talking about like actually engaging with film. Um, but it really makes me mad that that movement has picked up so much steam yeah. that that that's what people call engaging with the film and talking and whining about who's in our lead, you know, the main character. And that's just really stupid. Um, but that's our soapbox for this week. Hopefully yeah. everybody agrees with this. I don't think we said anything too hot of a... I, I don't <laughs> think it's too hot of a take to be on the right side of history, man. Literally. I, uh, I guess, you know, if you want to talk with us about film... Just uh, make sure you've seen the darn film in the first place and yeah. just be whining because it doesn't fit your views. Anyway, yeah, yeah, getting off the soapbox mm-hmm. now. We're done. Uh, uh, hopefully, you like what you heard. Um, again, you know, if you want to comment down below, like what you'd like to hear in the future, we're always yeah, reading that. <laughs> please, please do because uh, we have a bunch of topics lined up. You know, we're, yeah. well, we're not going to run out of content anytime soon, but what's the point of doing this? If it's not something that our audience wants to hear. So if you want to hear us talk about something, if you have any ideas, swing them over. Put them in the comments. Send us a DM. Something. Mm-hmm. We'd love to We'd love to cover it. Anything yeah. you guys want to listen to. And again, thank you so much for listening to, to Mind Over Movies. Yeah. We're fairly new at this, but <laughs> it's been fun for us so far. Yeah. I was having a having a grand old time, and we're going to keep doing this for as long as we're living. <laughs> uh, hopefully. So... Um, well, I guess um, we'll see you in the next one. Yeah, and see you next uh, week, guys. And, and remember, keep the spirit uh, alive. alive. Film, film. <laughs> <laughs> there was Goodbye. the most intense. Like, <laughs> bye. <laughs>